Welcome to SNC's podcast series, SNC Critical Insights. My name is David Rain, and I'm Deputy Managing Partner of SNC's Litigation Group. I'm joined by my partner, Julia Malkina, who's co lead of our firm's securities litigation practice. Today, we're going to be discussing the Supreme Court's recent grants of certiorari in the pivotal software case and the potential important implications for current trends in securities litigation. So, Julia, why don't you start by giving our listeners a brief overview of what we'll discuss? I would be glad to, David. On July 2nd, the Supreme Court granted certiorari to hear a case called Pivotal Software Inc. v. Zoomtron. The court will hear Pivotal Software in the court's October 2021 term. The issue before the court is whether the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995, or the PSLRA as it is often called, provides for a state of discovery pending a motion to dismiss and litigation under the Securities Act of 1933 when such litigation is brought in state court as opposed to in federal court. Today, we'll start with discussing the background of the Pivotal Software case, then we'll summarize the key issues and arguments the Supreme Court will consider, and we'll finally finish with the case's implications. Let's start with some background. David, what do we need to know to understand the question this case presents? Well, I think we should start with a little history about the PSLRA uh, and about securities litigation in state courts. Congress enacted the PSLRA back in 1995, and it did so to combat abusive practices in securities class action litigation. The act attempted to stop the practices of some plaintiffs who had minuscule holdings racing to the courthouse to file class actions without any real support. And the act did so by, among other things, imposing a process for selecting lead counsel that favors institutional investors and also that prohibits discovery until the claims have survived a motion to dismiss. Now, the relevant portion of the PSLRA, at least for this case, says the following. In any private action arising under this subchapter, and it continues, and subchapter, at least in the relevant part, means the Securities Act of 1933. And then it continues that in any such private action, and I quote, all discovery and other proceedings shall be stayed. during the pendency of any motion to dismiss. So that's the discovery stay that's at issue here. Now, Julia, what happened on the discovery stay front after Congress enacted the PSLRA? So David, to try to avoid the PSLRA's provisions, plaintiffs began to file 1933 Act claims in state court. Congress responded by enacting a statute in 1998, making clear that securities fraud claims brought in state court could be removed to federal court and dismissed, even if brought under state law. A question remains, however, about whether 1933 Act claims could be removed from state court to federal court. In 2018, in a case called Cyan Inc. v. Beaver County Employees Retirement Fund, the Supreme Court held that plaintiffs may bring claims under the 1933 Act in state court and that defendants cannot remove such claims to federal court. Now, in Cyan, the court did not address whether the PSRA's discovery stay provision applies to securities claims brought in state court. Since Cyan, the number of 1933 Act claims 
filed in state court has grown significantly, and a split has emerged among state courts as to whether the discovery stay requirement applies in state courts. Now, David, can you explain why it is important to stay discovery pending a motion to dismiss in 1933 Act cases? Sure. A discovery stay can be critical to defending against 1933 Act claims and may ultimately determine how the case is resolved. Without a discovery stay, plaintiffs can try to take advantage of discovery by simply filing a placeholder pleading that's short on facts and that wouldn't survive a motion to dismiss. So plaintiffs could then go on a fishing expedition to try to plead a claim. And that's, of course, what happened in many cases prior to the PSLRA being enacted. And so the state court decisions that have declined to follow the PSLRA discovery stay threaten to bring back that same problem for 1933 Act claims that are filed in state courts. Now, discovery can also be very costly, burdensome, and distracting. And discovery in securities cases is largely one-sided. So without a discovery stay, plaintiffs can use the threat of discovery to try to get a settlement out of defendants, even though their claims might have had little chance of succeeding ultimately on the merits. Now, Julia, could you give a bit of background on how this pivotal software case got to the Supreme Court? Absolutely. And since the background isn't courted the case, we'll make it nice and brief. In June 2019, different plaintiffs filed actions in California federal and state court, alleging that Pivotal Software made false statements in its registration statement, filed in connection with its April 2018 initial public offering. The federal action asserted claims under the 1933 Act, as well as the Securities Exchange Act of 1934. And the state court action alleged only 1933 Act claims, as state courts do not have jurisdiction over 1934 Act claims. The state plaintiffs agreed to stay the state action, pending resolution of the federal case. But after the federal court dismissed the federal case for failure to plead any false statements, the state case went back into action. As one of their first moves in state courts, the state plaintiffs sought discovery. Pivotal Software moved under the PSRA for a stay of discovery, pending a decision on its motion to dismiss. In October 2020, the court denied Pivotal Software's motion and allowed discovery to proceed. The California Court of Appeal and the California Supreme Court denied Pivotal Software's request for review. Pivotal Software then petitioned the Supreme Court for a writ of certiorari, which the court granted on July 2nd. Now, David, given this procedural posture, were you surprised that the Supreme Court accepted the case? Well, the court's grant is certainly unusual for uh, a few reasons. First of all, the only reasoned decision below was a short trial court decision. And interestingly, both levels of appeals court in California didn't consider Pivotal Software's discovery stay argument to be worthy of a reasoned decision or to grant discretionary appellate review. Yet the Supreme Court has now granted review to address this very issue. And then second, the parties agreed that there are no appellate decisions anywhere on this issue. The sole split is among state trial courts, which is certainly unusual. But there has been significant division among these state trial courts about whether the PSLRA discovery stay applies in a state court. And it is an important issue. Since Cyan, the vast majority of state court 1933 Act claims have been brought in California and New York. 
and trial courts even within those two states have split on the applicability of the PSLRA discovery stay. For example, one New York trial court has held that the PSLRA's automatic discovery stay applies to state court 1933 Act claims based on the PSLRA's plain language. It relied on the fact that the PSLRA stays discovery in any private action under this subchapter. And even if brought in state court, the case is, of course, still a private action, and it's still brought under this subchapter, the 1933 Act. But by contrast, another New York state trial court has held that applying the discovery state of state courts would undermine Scion's holding that state courts are fully able to adjudicate 1933 Act claims. The California state courts are also divided, David. For example, in a pre-Scion case, one California court held that the PSRA stay applies, similarly contrasting the state provision's reference to any private action arising under this title, with references throughout the PSRA to the federal rules of civil procedure. But another California court recently held that the PSRA's provision for a discovery stay is of a procedural nature and therefore only applies to actions filed in federal courts. So, Julia, given this split, what arguments do you expect that Pivotal Software will make that the stay should apply in state courts? So, David, I think the plain language of the statute is Pivotal Software's best argument. The PSLRA discovery stay provision applies to any private action arising under the 1933 Act. Now, that provision is framed in terms of the subject matter of the action and not the action's venue. Pivotal Software also has a powerful argument based on the structure of the PSRA and the text of other PSRA provisions. And that's a meaningful variation argument. Other parts of the PSRA distinguish between federal and state courts. For example, some PSRA provisions are limited to actions brought under the federal rules of civil procedure, showing that Congress knew how to distinguish between federal and state actions when it wanted to do so. Federal software can also point to the Cyan decision itself which recognized that some substantive parts of the PSLRA apply to state actions as well as federal actions. In Cyan, the court noted that the PSLRA safe harbor for forward-looking statements is an example of one such provision. Finally, a discovery stay in state court is in keeping with the core purpose of the PSLRA, combating abusive securities class action practices. Now, David, how do you expect that the plaintiffs will respond to these arguments? Well, I would expect that the plaintiffs will likely point to the lack of an express reference to state courts in the PSLRA discovery state provision, and they'll use that to argue that the discovery state doesn't apply to state courts, and they'll try to counter the defendant's textual position, and they'll argue that the term any action that's in the statute does not mean the same thing as every action. There are some situations where the Supreme Court has interpreted phrases like any court in other statutes to exclude certain courts, despite the potentially broad meaning of any. I think the plaintiffs, too, will make it a constitutional avoidance argument. That's to say federal statutes shouldn't be read to impose procedural rules on state courts because the discovery stay, at least in plaintiffs' view, is procedural. The discovery stay in the PSLRA, they'll argue, shouldn't be applied to state courts. Now, of course, the defendants will point out that the discovery stay is an important substantive mechanism that's central to the PSLRA's structure. 
I think the plaintiffs may also argue that applying the discovery stay to state courts wouldn't align with the overall statutory scheme that governs securities litigations. For example, the plaintiffs might argue that the Securities Litigation Uniform Standards Act of 1998 permits federal courts to stay discovery in state courts in some circumstances, and that that provision wouldn't be necessary if the stay were, in fact, automatic. Now, defendants will point out that that provision was directed at claims brought under state law in state courts, not the 1933 Act. And then finally, I'd expect the plaintiffs will likely argue that the case is moot because they agreed not to seek discovery before the motion to dismiss. And we'll touch on that a little bit later. So, Julia, when do you think that this case will be argued and when might the court release a decision? Given that the court granted cert in July, I expect that the court will hear oral argument in this case this upcoming fall or winter. And the court will almost certainly render a decision in this case by the end of the court's 2021 term in June of next year. We could, of course, see a decision earlier, especially since this is a relatively early cert grant and a relatively straightforward issue. So, Julia, which justices will you be keeping an eye on during oral argument? Well, David, I think there are some compelling competing ways of argument in this case. I'm interested in seeing how Justices Thomas, Alito, and Gorsuch react to the textualist arguments on the defendant's side, where it's the more states' rights arguments on the plaintiff's side. Now, David, any predictions on how the court will decide the issue? Well, reading tea leaves is always somewhat risky, but if I had to stick my neck out, I would say it's more likely than not that the Supreme Court will hold that the PSLRA discovery stay applies to 1933 Act claims in state court, and that they'll do so based on the centrality of the discovery stay to the PSLRA's structure. This is, after all, first and foremost, a statutory interpretation case. And at least in my view, the statutory text is clear. I think that's a very fair prediction, David. Is it possible that the court will not decide the issue? Well, some justices could find that the issue is moot based on first the plaintiff's representation, that it's no longer seeking pre-motion to dismiss discovery. And then second, if the California trial court decides the pending motion to dismiss or demurra, as it's called there, before the Supreme Court rules. But Pivotal Software argues that the issue isn't really moot, describing plaintiff's agreement to a discovery stay as they put 11th hour gamesmanship. And Pivotal further argues that this is a controversy that's capable of repetition and should be decided by the court. And I think it's worth noting that plaintiffs in opposing the grants of certiorari led with the mootness argument, but the Supreme Court nonetheless decided to hear the case, suggesting that not all justices were convinced by that argument. So assuming that the Supreme Court does decide the issue, what do you think some of the implications will likely be of the ruling? Well, depending on what the court holds, the decision may make it more or less attractive for plaintiffs to file 1933 Act claims in state courts. So we might see a rise or a fall in such claims after the Supreme Court's decision. Yeah, and the decision by the court could also potentially affect the costs for settling state court 1933 Act cases. For example, if the court rules in favor of the plaintiffs, we may see settlement values increase. That's right, David. And speaking of costs, 
the court's holding may also affect DNO costs, which have increased substantially post-Cyan and are facing even greater pressure with the stack boom. So the outcome could also weigh in the calculus as to whether corporations undertake public offerings at all. It's worth noting that many companies are now including federal forum selection clauses for securities litigations in their corporate charters. And these amendments have been upheld as consistent with Delaware law and have also been enforced by some California courts, which potentially may make the issues in play in this appeal somewhat less far-reaching. That said, federal forum selection clauses may not be an option for non-US issuers, so they're not a complete solution. And as one final implication, this decision may bolster arguments that other PSLR provisions, like heightened pleading standards or damages rules, should apply in state court as well. David, while we wait for the Supreme Court's decision, what should parties facing state law Securities Act claims do? Well, if facing a state court securities action, parties should bring this cert grant to the court's attention if the plaintiff tries to seek pre-motion to dismiss discovery. A number of state courts have treated the question of the discovery stay is a fairly insignificant case management matter. But the Supreme Court's grants of certiorari shows that this issue is more important than that. Given that the issue is now before the U.S. Supreme Court, there should be good arguments for a state court to exercise its discretion to stay discovery pending the court's ruling, even if the state court doesn't have to decide the question that's currently before the Supreme Court. Terrific. Thank you, David. That's all we have for today. Thank you for joining David and me for this installment of SNC's Critical Insights. For more information about our practice, please visit us on the web at www.solcrom.com. Thank you.